You are listening to the MJ Sportscast. Recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Welcome, 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 everyone, back to the MJ Sportscast. My name is Mike Tang. I'm joined by my co-host, producer, Jerry Yang. Jerry, how are you doing today, man? Doing all right. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of focus on fantasy football these days, <laughs> especially this week and the next few weeks is considered bipocalypse for fantasy football because a lot of teams are on bye. And, you know, a little stressed out trying to hit the waivers uh, last night. You know, setting my waiver priority and try to get there. But, you know, fantasy football is a good way to keep in touch with the league, though, and keep in touch of what players are still good, which players to look for. And, you know, in some ways, you kind of go pretty deep and pick up guys like, you know, DR, what was it, Dearness De- Johnson, right? Like a guy you would never really focus on. But when you're part of fantasy football, you have to keep track of those things. But are you playing fantasy this year, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm helping out with a few teams um, here, but I used to play like in about four to five fantasy leagues and it got a little bit too much um, for me at one point to the point where, okay, I can just maybe focus on one or two um, here. But (laughs) yeah, you make a good point where, you know, it kind of keeps you up to date with the NFL, uh, with the league in general here. Otherwise you're just kind of stuck single-mindedly, you know, on your own favorite team and everything. So it's kind of cool. Um, it's just yeah. important to not get too involved with the stats and not get too emotional, you know, mm-hmm. on it, because a lot of these things, a lot of like what happens on Sunday, it's a lot of things where you can't control. Right. Right. So you may put in this player due to the matchup or due to the projected fantasy points, and then he gets like two points and you, and you feel very angry about it, you yeah. know, but you also have to understand that you have to trust you have to trust the resources that you have in front of you and just put in the best player that you can at the moment and just yeah, let it, the matchups be. Yeah. I like your point about not getting emotional. And also I think one thing is to remember these are people too. I think it's easy to forget that, especially when you know people get injured and things like that. I'm hearing comments like people wanting players to be injured or you know, like getting mad at a player because they got injured and ruined your fantasy league. Well, these are players. Like, they don't want to get injured. <laughs> the unnecessary thing happens, right? So I do agree with you. Having too many fantasy leagues is probably overwhelming. Um, our buddy Justin Wong has 10 leagues that he's part of every season. You know that? Wow. Yeah, he was, we should have him back on to kind of talk about yeah, you know, the process. <laughs> you know, I guess the process of being in 10 leagues and and what yeah. it does for him, you know? He's crazy. He's hardcore. But, you know, yeah, we should get him on, have him talk a little bit about fantasy. But that's uh, to be determined in the future. So, Yeah, um, absolutely here. So Andrew Peterson says, hey, fellas. Andrew, thanks for coming on to the show again and, and tuning yeah. in. So let's kind of talk about um, some of the news here. You know, uh, Game 5 has completed for the Giants-Dodgers. Um I think we've had a few days, almost a week to kind of decompress and and kind of uh, let that sink in, right? So what are your thoughts about the series, how it went, 
Um, did you think it was um, as fair as it could be, you know, throughout the series? Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts, man. You know, like overall, I think it's a great season for the Giants. I think there's so many other teams I wish they were where the Giants were, right? The position they were in. And, you know, obviously people are very disappointed that the Giants didn't move on to the NLCS. And I think there's a lot of focus on game five, especially on that check swing and also on, you know, the officiating the umps, especially on the Chris Bryant, where people felt like he got five balls, but they were called strikes and ended up being striking out. Um, you know, to me, it happens, and it's a good team. I thought it was great that the two best teams were able to play each other. I'm just a little disappointed that it wasn't a seven-game series. I kind of wanted more baseball, and, you know, in seven games, I feel like you really determine the best team um, rather than a five-game series. But, you know, those are just very nitpicky, phonetic things, you know, so... I was a little disappointed, really, like a little bit outraged in some ways at the ref when it first happened. But I think that was more of the emotion part of me getting the best of me. <laughs> Overall, I think uh, I thought the series was pretty fair, you know, actually. Um, I just thought the last game was highlighted because you're so focused on it. It's such a close game that every little call matters. But if you look throughout the whole season and look throughout baseball, these things always happen, right? Bad calls are bound to happen. And unless they go into a model where they put chips on baseballs or, or you know, use more technology to help with getting the strike zone down and things like that, mm -hmm. you're going to have this human error. And it's part of life and part of sports. So, you know, after a week now almost, uh, I'm able to accept it and enjoy that this is a great team and it's a great season. So what about you, Mike? What are your thoughts? I think it was very telling when uh, Farhan, Zaidi, and uh, the front office, when they evaluated the up the umpire crew for the series, they're, 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 they quoted saying that they would have to adjust their offensive approach due to the way this umpire crew was. And I found like that was a pretty big That's mind-blowing. Yeah, Holy that's blowing. a pretty bad – that was a pretty, pretty big uh, sign that – Okay. Well, we actually gonna... have a lot of comments if we can go through it because a lot of, it relates to what you're saying actually. Yeah, <laughs> a lot let's of people go are reacting it. to it. So, as an A's fan from Andrew Peterson, so as an A's fan, I was highly disappointed that a Game Five NLCS game, or I think it means DS, but NLDS game was decided on a check swing call strike by the first base umpire. Bad for baseball. I mean, that's you know what? exactly what you're saying, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just to comment on that, Andrew, um, uh, perfectly justifiable um, here. We should never have any series end with a check swing call like that here, even if, yeah. it was, even if it was borderline or whatnot. The fact that he made the call so immediate and didn't really think about it, in a sense, that was very disappointing. And I know fans are trying to justify it, saying, okay, well, Wilmer Flores has not hit Max Serger during his career. Cares, right? Uh, Max Serger, <laughs> um, you know, on a two-strike count, you you basically have no chance. I, I disagree with that there. This is the same pitcher who gave up a grand slam to a to another pitcher during a regular season on a mm -hmm. on a two-strike count, right? So you so you can't really justify that. Yeah, um, to me to me, I think it's equivalent to calling a foul in basketball at the three-point line um and ending a game on a foul right on free throws 
um, I, I think it was the equivalent of that, where Ump kind of decided a game. And I thought this Ump decided the series, right? Decided the whole series by one bad call. So I think we have another comment. Um, Jeannie Liu, thanks for tuning in. I think all of baseball was disappointed. Um, Giants for the check sweep. Dodgers for winning a game five based on a controversial call. And baseball for an amazing game to be ended on a, I'm not going to say the word, but S call, right? A crappy call. Um, yeah, that's a good way to summarize it. So thanks, Gene. That was a great way to summarize it. I think for Dodgers, I would disagree with the Dodgers part. I think Dodgers would take the win regardless, right? <laughs> At least as a Dodger fan. But yeah, I think all the other people who aren't Dodger fans don't want to see the Dodgers win this way and moving on, on in such a controversial way, right? But, you know. But I agree with you, Mike. I yes, think it was. Happen, yes, though, yeah, you know? I mean, yes, it was a crappy call, but we also have to understand that the game was not won or lost on that call alone, right? Yeah. Um, basically, the Giants' bats were stone cold this whole series, especially the left-handed bats. I think the left-handed hitters only had one hit throughout this whole series, yeah. right? And that, that's true. And I'm talking about the outfielders, right? We're talking about the Yastrzemskis in the world, right? Who mm-hmm did not produce anything during this whole series. Um, that was why we lost the game. This is why we lost the whole series. We could not mm. freaking hit. We we had no you know offense. What? And I think um, and I think that I the loss of Brandon Belt really factored in in this series. Yep, we that, really well, I was just Brandon about to bring Belt. that up. I think he was the X factor in our offense. And I thought running Discofani out there was a little bit of a mistake instead of having an opener and kind of managing the game that way. I felt like um, Kapler kept um, Discofani in a little bit longer than he should have. I thought that contributed to it. And we have Jenny Liu, so I think that's Jeannie's sister, potentially. <laughs> it's So thanks for tuning in, uh, Jenny. It was more than one call, too. The Chris Bryant strikeout call could have changed it. Yeah, I agree. I, I addressed it in the beginning of the show. I think you know those were five balls that were called strikes. Or, sorry, it was, should have been five balls. She got the walk. But the last two balls were called strikes, and that affected the game, right? I think that killed some momentum that we had going too. So, so I don't know. I think you're right. I think there's a bunch of factors. Um, it's easy to focus on Game Five because that's the last thing we saw and the last thing that ended the series, right? So it's uh, it, it was easy to see that, I guess, right, Mike? I don't know. Okay, so Jeannie Liu um, says that game will only be remembered for the call versus Bellinger actually swinging and hitting something. You know, Bellinger was on fire in this series. He kind of woke up near the end, which is surprising. I think uh, Justin Turner was a guy I thought that was cold throughout this whole series, and I thought that was such a big deal when um, um, the closer guy, Duvall, ended up hitting him and walking him. I thought that was huge, right? Like, he should... He probably could have gotten the strikeout or a flyout for Turner. Um, so I thought that changed it as well. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that the ball hits batsman on Justin Turner really impacted the the uh, pitch calling that Buster Posey put out there. Mm. I think they really um, got away from the fastball and they just started, uh, you know, throwing sliders to Bellinger. But the thing is, Bellinger hasn't hit fastballs all year. Right. Yeah. So you kind of bail him out by throwing all off speed pitches um, to a guy like Bellinger. So I felt like they could have mixed in some fastballs in there um, to Bellinger. But, mm-hmm. 
you got to tip your caps. You know, they they rallied and they scored in the ninth inning here. And, you know, we had a chance in the bottom of the ninth and we just couldn't get it done. I guess now moving on to the next series of the Dodgers. So they're down 1-2. And they could have easily been down 0-3, actually, right? I think the, they had a pretty good comeback last night. Um, do you think the series with the Giants impacted the Dodgers? And do you think the Dodgers or the Giants would have done better than the Dodgers? Uh, I don't know if you've been following. I've been kind of avoiding the series a little bit, but I've been watching, you know, like highlights and looking at the walk-off wins and stuff. But, you know, yeah, how much of an it, impact do you think the series had with the Giants and the Dodgers? You know, um, I think the whole NL West division um, race trying to win as many games in that regular season, it could definitely impact uh, how a team would perform in the next round of the playoffs there. And it's kind of equivalent to 1993, right? When the Atlanta Braves and the San Francisco Giants were neck and neck for the, for the whole, um, for the whole NL um, Mm -hmm. division. And the, the Braves, they had to fight hard, you know, to win that division away from the Giants there. And they kind of ran out of gas um, during that Philly season, during that Philly um, series, and they and I think the Atlanta Braves were a better team than the Philadelphia Phillies in 1993. Mm-hmm. But the Phillies ended up prevailing um, in the NLCS there, and it's kind of equivalent to what the Dodgers are facing right now, in which you know you put everything um, into that prior series or even throughout the last few games of the regular season, and sometimes you just run out of gas in a three-week tournament. Right. Yeah, especially using the pitchers, right? I think using some of the starters, like using Scherzer in the ninth and, you know, um, having short rest for um, Bueller and things like that, like moves like that, I think impacts the next series because it kind of messes up your lineup a little bit. Um, but do you think it's better over time, though? Like, I, um, you know, starting pitching aside, at least your lineup is still going to be pretty consistent. Right. Um, and your bullpen, I think, weren't as used as heavily in our series. So really starting pitching, I think that really impacted. Right. But do you think that gets better or do you would you project as for the series? You mean in terms of uh, the Dodgers starting pitching? Yeah. Here? Yeah. The Dodgers starting pitching, because I think that's the biggest impact um, to the Dodgers from what I saw in those games. They, they were giving up early leads, right? Um, and I think, I think that's the biggest tough. impact, especially if you go through a gruesome um, series the round before, is that you can't line up your starting pitching or yeah. you can't line up your best starting pitching in the beginning of the series. And it, look what happened. Um, the Dodgers right. were deeply impacted and they were down 2-0 in Atlanta. And I think also right. traveling through two time zones to Atlanta for the first two games can also have an impact on that too. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're down, they're only down 2 1, and they have um, some of their big guns pitching the rest of this series. So you can't yep. count them out. Right. And they have so much talent that you really that, can't count them out. I yeah, thought I the thought Atlanta losing, Braves, mm-hmm. I thought the I thought Atlanta Braves, they could have, um, they could have won the series last, last night. They were yeah, up by two in the eighth I thought inning. that was huge, right? That was huge. <laughs> And that that's going to give the Dodgers some uh, some new some new uh, breathing room, you know, right. to make a comeback here. So don't be surprised if they come back to to going back um, to Atlanta here. So it's going to be an interesting series now. Yep. So let's move on to like free agents for the Giants. There's going to be a lot of players right for next year that I think are do contracts or not contracts with us, right? So I think 
I'll read off some of the big names that I see, and maybe Mike, you can tell me who you think will keep and who you think will be out. Yeah. All right, so John, top of the list is Johnny Cueto. At you know, he had a twenty-two million dollars salary. There's Buster Posey, Chris Bryant, Kevin Gosman, Brandon Belt, Discafani, uh, um, Solano, Flores, Alex Woods. And yeah, I think those are the biggest names. I think there's a few others like Jose Alvarez and um, yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I think yeah. those are the biggest names, right? Okay. I think Watson, maybe Tony Watson, since we traded for him. Yeah. But yeah, you know, who do you think you want to keep? You know, like personally, I'll kind of give my opinion a little bit, and I'll let you jump in. Belt for sure. I think Belt, hands down, we should get him. Chris Bryant as well. Um, Posey, if he wants to stay, right? There's a lot of questions whether or not Posey's going to retire or if he wants to, uh, you know, continue playing. I think if he continues playing, I think he's probably a no-brainer coming back. I think guys who are out is probably like Cueto. Um, Discafani is probably out, I think. Uh, I would want to keep Alex Wood. Um, I think Watson might be out as well. Uh, that was kind of a bad trade, I thought, to begin with. Um, and it's not panning out. So, what do you think? Who are some guys that you um, will want to keep and and who do you think will be gone? Yeah, let's talk about the guys that I think are not going to be with the Giants next season, right? Um, we mm-hmm. can go on top of this list. Johnny Cueto um, here. I think he has about a $5 million buyout here. Yep. Otherwise, it's a $22 million salary for next season. And mm-hmm. I think um, that decision to not put Cueto in the playoff roster – has deeply impacted this relationship and I can see I can see the Giants moving on from Cueto here and just yep. going through the buyout so I don't think Cueto is coming back um I think uh Chris Bryant is a guy that's not coming back um next season um here just because I don't think the Giants are going to go on a all no you know bidding war against other teams and this guy is a you know he's a great talent he could play multiple positions he's going to demand a lot of money um, I right? think it's so, a, I think that would determine if Posey stays with us probably right because if you offload Posey's contract at 22 million as well you might have some wiggle room to negotiate and I think Chris Bryant on defense plays a lot of you know a lot of big role for the Giants that's exactly what they look for you know and I think they need another pinstone in, into the team um if they're not gonna have Posey you know Chris yeah. Bryant's a guy who's shining yeah out, but right? the thing is is that Chris Bryant is a Scott Borer's client and usually Scott Boris clients, yeah. they wait out the market and get the highest deal available. And Farhan in his quote earlier t- this week, he says he's not going on any bidding war um, on Chris Bryant there. It'll be nice if they can have him back at the price they want. But right. I don't think the Giants are going to wait around. They're going to start signing all the players that they think, you know, are right for them um, mm-hmm. here. So I don't think Chris Bryant is coming back. And then you're talking about uh, Brandon Bell too. If you sign both Brandon Belt and Chris Bryant, you're looking at $300 million attached yeah. to two players. You know, are the Giants, Are this is this administration, do you ever see them commit that much dollars for two players alone um, here? So I think they're probably going to find a way to sign Belt again um, just because the way Belt plays, the way he, um, the way he hits and the way he approaches hitting is um, you know his approach. value will be high though his values will be pretty high right i think everyone's gonna he's gonna have the pick of the litter after the season i feel like so you talk about not going to a big word you think belt has the potential to be in a big war 
I think um Look I think, Bell, team, I think yeah. Bell can go I think there's an arbitration process to go along with okay. Bell too um here um from my understanding and if they do lose if they do um sign that arbitration and they lose Bell to another team I believe they can get a draft pick um oh, okay Got too. Um, from so my understanding said, yeah Jesus said no way they would give up Posey to keep right no I agree with you what I meant is if Posey retires um, and decides not to come back to the Giants, then you might have a need to re-sign Brian, uh, Chris Bryant, right? That's what I was thinking. Oh, I mean, it's going to be tough for Posey to give up on $20 million team option, right, on that last season. So <laughs> it's really think, pretty good, though. Well, yeah, so I think, I think that Posey's <laughs> coming back here when it comes down to it. You know, when you look at $20 million, you have four yeah. kids, four, four young kids on the horizon here. Um, I think Posey's coming back. But it's definitely Bell. it's definitely in his court, though. Yeah, Bell gets injured a lot, says G- Jenny Liu, in a history of concussions. Absolutely, right? I mean, we we experienced it um, in the beginning of the season and in the playoffs. So, yeah, definitely a risk. Um, but I think there's a risk with a lot of players. You know, I think that's part of sports is to take that risk with with the best talent you have, right? I think the good part is. Uh, Belt's able to bounce back from every injury. So even though he gets hurt, um, it has been noticeable in his play when he comes back. And yeah. that's not true for all the players, right? So Yeah, and I think uh, two interesting uh, players to note on this list here is probably Kevin Gossman and also Anthony Desclafani um, mm-hmm. here. I'll start with Desclafani. Uh, he's pitched very well besides against the Dodgers. You know, if you if you take away all his Dodger starts – Desclafani probably has like a 2.00 ERA, right, against wow. the rest of the league. But the thing is, is that you have to face the Dodgers. And if you're getting crushed by the Dodgers, you're in a tough spot because you're going to face the Dodgers like, you know, 15, 20 times a year as a team. And you can't shy away from those starts, right? So I think Desclafani is going to test a market and he's going to sign with a, another team. It looks like his market so, value is over $10 million here. I think he's going to get a good – you know, 10 million or so per season. Uh, he may get a one-year deal. He may get a three-year deal. But I think Desclafani is going to be out of this Giants rotation. So let me um, ask you, Alex Woods or Desclafani, who do you think is more likely to come back? I think um, Alex Wood would be cheaper to come back here. Um, mm-hmm. But you just never know because um, any of these guys, they could test a market and if a team offers them 30 million for three years, they're going to take it, right? That's what it's really yeah. going to come down to. So you just never know with free agency with these guys. Um, I'm more anxious to see what Kevin Gossman is going to do because you can, you can tell throughout his time here, he's really enjoyed his time with the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Logan Webb's mentor and best friend on the team. And He's pitched fairly well throughout his career. Maybe not in the second half of this past season. He's been up and down, but you know he's been p- pitching pretty well. And he was known as um, one of the aces on the staff the past two seasons. So it's really, it's really. Um, I'm really curious to see what he's going to do in free agency. Yeah, I hope we keep him. And I do think we need a number two starter, though. I think Logan Webb has established himself as number one now. And I think Kevin Gosman is probably a better number three than number two. So I think having a number two and helping alleviate his pressure, (laughs) I think will help out a lot there, right? So I think a free agent, I would say, that's probably one spot that where the Giants kind of missed out on, right? Like not signing a... 
more solid starting pitcher. So that no, actually, I thought they did an excellent job um, signing starting really? pitchers. Really, I thought, so? yeah, I oh, think no, that they man. no, I think they got great value <laughs> out of Alex Wood. Um, they got great value right. out of Dave Stefani. I guess what um, I meant is we should have got Scherzer, right? I think a guy like that would solidify our, our starting pitching. But I just felt like we have three pretty like guys that did stand out exceed expectation, right? Which is this whole team. You can't say there's like a bat, a player that was really underperforming besides the Aquino, right? Because of injury. But I think you know what I meant was I think. Yeah, you know, I think we could push harder to get a better um, starting pitcher towards end of the season, right? During that free agents or during that trade deadline, um, we got Tony Watson and we got Chris Bryant, right? I think the Tony Watson trade was a little bit of a bust, right? I thought we could have got a, a bigger name uh, in terms of a starting pitcher during that time, right? Um, if it wasn't. I mean, if it wasn't Max Scherzer, I think there was other starting pitch out there that we could have gone for, you know. So I, I don't know if you agree with that, but you know, I do get it. I'm not discounting the fact that we have good starting pitching that they signed, um, but I thought we could have done more near the end of the trade line, especially if we knew we were going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, I think I'm in a disagreement in putting all your good talent in a trade for a rental. Right. And that's what it really comes down to during the trade deadline. You're getting a rental um, for a guy that's going to pitch for two or three months and you're most likely not going to resign him. Um, right. So I, I actually agree with the Giants. on not doing that. And I don't think the Giants had an, as much talent as the Dodgers in acquiring a guy like Max Serger. So I don't think it's right in our minds to think, OK, well, we should assign Max Serger and that's why we lost to the Dodgers. Right. I think it's right. it's a That's number true. of things here. So, okay. um, looking at the rest of the list, uh, I think uh, everyone else here, you know, I think they're coming back. You know, Wilmer Flores, Donovan Solano, um, uh, Buster Posey. I think Tony Alvarez. Watson would probably come mm -hmm. back as well um, here. So it's going to be an interesting uh, off season to say the least. Right. And it's a long one, right? So I think we'll have plenty of time to talk about the offseason. Yeah, one more thing about starting pitching is that it's pretty tough, right? Because every team needs starting pitching, right? True. So you're looking at, you know, 30 other teams, looking at Gaussman, looking at Alex Wood, looking at Dave Sclafani, and looking to acquire them too. So yep. you're also competing not against yourself, but you're also competing against these other teams, So. Let's kind of talk about, uh, let's see here. Let's talk about the NBA, right? So we're going um, in this order where we used to talk about the NFL first, <laughs> but since the 49ers were on the <laughs> bye week and not, not much has gone on, right, during the bye week here. Yeah, I think the biggest news uh, we could talk about real quick is that Jimmy G's back in practice, Let Trey Lance wasn't. So yeah. I think we kind of have a inkling that it's probably going to be Jimmy G back there. So we'll see how it goes. Um, play the Colts. The Colts will have T.Y. Hilton back, which has been, you know, kind of lights out when it comes to teams like the Niners and the way we run our offense, our defense. Mm. So that's going to be something to look out for. And, you know, of course, the, another talk of town is the Forrest Bunker. There's a lot of news about, you know, if the Niners should have kept him, not kept him. You know, I think we all agree we should have kept him, right? Um, but... You know, that's how it shakes out. 
that's how it shakes out for so i think we'll have a deeper dive next week when the game actually happens and yeah i don't think there's any other news unless people listening want to comment any news you want to talk about but yeah let's get into nba i think the warriors is a big one of the biggest news right now right because of the last night's game so do you want to let's talk about that yeah the warriors they had their season opener you know at the los angeles lakers last night here and the first half was pretty up and down, but the second half, I thought they pretty, they played pretty well here. The Warriors prevailed with a 121-114 victory um, here. And, uh, you know, I think uh, Curry had an up and down game, but you had Jordan Poole, you know, coming off here on a real very good preseason. He scored 20 points. And he, you know, he had some pretty nice plays in the, in the fourth quarter, but I was really impressed with uh, uh, Bija Lisa, um, here he yeah. was uh, one of the stretch fives for the Warriors. Um, he's usually on their second unit, but he was there to close games, and you know he made some pretty pretty nice plays, right? He made yeah. his stat line was pretty impressive, where he had like what I think he had like points, six, eleven rebounds, and four assists. Right, pretty so. darn impressive, right? Yeah. And it's like you know we've had other free agent signings come onto this team, you know, Jarepko, Omar Kaspri. These are guys who you you know they didn't make an impact as the way um, he did um, here. So that's what I was impressed about. Um, yeah. I think, I think the, his name is pronounced Belichicka. <laughs> Belichicka. <laughs> I think we'll get to learn his name, right? It's kind of one of those tougher names, but I do agree with you. I think he did a lot better than Kevin uh, Looney, right? I think that's where you know there'll be interesting discussions on who's gonna be the number two of Wiseman goes back. Is it are they gonna still roll with Looney or is Belica if he keeps it up takes over that role, right? Yeah. We'll see. It's only one game, right? It's only one game here and it's 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 easy to um overreact. No overreact, way. yeah. It's really easy to overreact <laughs> over one game. But you also have to keep in mind like you know last season we got blown out by the Nets and Bucks. Um, on yeah, the road, start and, the season. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I mean, we could have overreacted then, probably for good measure, you know, during yeah. the season. But I think we're in a good place. I think we have a lot more depth this season. Um, here, we're not just counting on Curry to score forty plus points a game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really like how this team is um, in relation to that strength in numbers um, right, model, right. right? So, you um, know, like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was thinking, like, I, I agree with you. I think one of the big things that I, like, really liked seeing was seeing Iguodala back, you know, to, like, his defensive presence, his ability to, you know, have clutch shots that reignited the offense, you know, and it's noticeable when he's out there. You know, I think it's uh, a lot of highlights, obviously, but I think, you know, on the defensive end, he gives us a lot. Yeah, I think the second note from the Lakers side, I kind of was surprised. Maybe I just wasn't following as closely by how many names are there that were of past stars, you know, like DeAndre Jordan, Russell Westbrook, uh, Carmela Anthony, Dwight Howard, Rondo. It's It just feels like this is like the all-star team from 2010 that decided to put in their team now. (laughs) Um, Imagine like a couple years ago, this team would be unstoppable, you know? But it's just surprising, I guess, for me that, you know, when I saw the bench, I was like, wow, you know, like, what is this team now? (laughs) Yeah, let's bring on LeBron's friends, right, and join join this team. Um, 
I think Russell crazy. Westbrook yeah. is going to be the talk of a lot of LA, um, you know, LA talk radio and everything. And for good measure, you know, you can just sag off on a guy like uh, Russell Westbrook and he's going to brick. Right. And that he's was going to be the scapegoat, right? He's going to be a scapegoat. I feel like when they lose games, they're going to blame guys like Russell Westbrook. And I think one of the disappointing things to see is Ken Basemore. I mean, he's, he did really well in that game. So it's one of those things where, man, I kind of wish he was still with us. Um, too bad he picked them over us, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think they started out sloppy, but overall, I think they look good. You know, like even Jordan Poole started picking up. I think we need to see more from Williams. That's probably one need to improvement area. And Kevon Looney, I think, as well, right? Those are the two, I think, low lights. Um, but yeah, um, I thought it was really funny to hear Curry say that he played like trash at the end of the game when he's, you know, I think he still had an incredible game. Right, um, the minutes I was given and the points that he scored. So, but yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, Jordan Poole there is great. Right? I think he kind of match wits with Curry, and I just can't wait till Clay Thompson and Wiseman come back. I think that's gonna really push this team over the edge afterwards. So, yeah, I think having Jordan Poole on this team as opposed to having Brad Wanamaker on this team is a big, yeah. big difference, right? Brad Wanamaker, he what averaged um, four yeah. points a game. And then you have Jordan Poole putting up 20 points, right? That's like a that's a 16 point differential, Sweet, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. who could use an extra 16 points in an NBA game, right? So, I think um, the Warriors and Kerr they're focused a lot more on offense and starting off the season strong. And I think they really have a good chance to because they face the Clippers at home on Thursday, yep. uh, Kawhi Leonard less Clippers. And then they have a pretty darn easy schedule for the rest of the month here. So we should anticipate the Warriors being off to a strong start. And I think that's what they plan to do. Yeah, yeah, I agree, agree. Um, what do you think about this whole Avery-Bradley situation? There was a lot of talks about that as well. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I think a lot of people wanted him over Gary Payton II. Yeah, it seems I like think a few things. Yeah, I think a few things. Um, are in effect here. I think the Warriors didn't want to commit financially um, to that spot, mm. and by signing Gary Payne the second, um, they're not they're non-committal, you know, to that spot, and it's not guaranteed here. Right. So I think Avery Bradley was definitely looking for a guaranteed contract. Um, the Warriors were against it um, here, and I think also Avery Bradley just doesn't contribute a lot offensively to justify. Yeah, we saw in this last money. game, right? This last game, he would he didn't do that well in this game. Like he had six points, but you know, a plus one, plus or minus, horrible, yeah. right? But I could tell you that Steph Curry freaking hates facing Avery Bradley um, yeah. here, and I think that's why him and Draymond Green wanted to keep Avery Bradley on the team because it's they like just Kevin Durant, right? They hated playing against Kevin Durant, so can't beat him, join him, right? <laughs> or, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but I think from a front office standpoint, they just looked at the value that Bradley brought to the table and it wasn't enough, right? It wasn't enough Mm -hmm. to just be a defensive stopper. And they thought GP2 could have contributed to that as much as Bradley can. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see on to the next game after, right? (laughs) Yeah. All right. We barely talked about the Sharks here, but let's kind of talk about it because the Sharks have been doing – they, they haven't been doing well the past two seasons, right? 
but they're yeah. starting off pretty strong here. They started this season two and zero, but I think a lot of it um, is you know for, over foreshadowed in a way by the news of Evander Kane throughout this past year. Um, most recently, he's been suspended uh, for over twenty one games or about twenty one games because of COVID protocols. Um, what's your take on Evander Kane, man? Because he's man. been a very controversial figure out here in San Jose and. I kind of want to get your 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 viewpoint about him. Sure, sure. So first off, start on a positive note. Like you said, Sharks are undefeated. Andrew Peterson, you know, awesome. They look dominant out there, even without Kane. So maybe there's something to say about that, right? Yeah, no, I think uh, the dude's a mess. <laughs> Van Kane, I think it's a slew of problems now, right? He has the gambling debts in the beginning of the season where – you know, they were looking into him betting on the games, betting on the Sharks. Couldn't find anything because it was kind of hard to find. Um, and then there was the sexual and physical abuse accusations from his soon-to-be ex-wife. That was horrifying to read about. You know, so that was bad. And then the topper now is he faked the vaccine card, right? And got caught. And that's why he's suspended for 22 games. I guess my question is, why is he still with the team? You know, like that's a lot of stuff, a lot of distractions. And I think Andrew Peterson says it correctly. Like, uh, Kane has been nothing but a distraction. You know, um, the only thing I can think of is you only do this for a player that's good, right? A player that you think will contribute. But at a certain point, you know, that outweighs it. I think he needs to be cut. You know, I think straight up, he needs to be cut. And I wouldn't be surprised if no other team picks him up if he does get cut. So I think it's either they think it's good, he's going to contribute. They have some kind of emotional attachment to him, thinking that, you know, they're trying to give him a chance. But these are three chances now, right? So I think it's a huge thing. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think he should be with the team. I think they should cut him. I think he's, you know, not justifying his stay here. Um, so what, what do you think, Mike? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I have similar thoughts, and I think – the reason why he's not cut from the team is because of his talent. And he's probably one of the best players on the Sharks roster right now. Sat, you know, as sad as that can be. Right. Mm -hmm. And then sports is like, you know, people get, you know, people and teams, they give players second chances all the time. And if, if Evander King gets cut or released by the Sharks, some other team is going to swoop him up, you know, try to rehab his image and try to get some production out of him um, here. Uh so, I just don't um, think it'll be that quick, though, right? You're not going to jump to signing a guy who's suspended for 22 games and then having all these accusations against him, you know? Like, I think it's going to take a while. Um, so maybe that's why, too, they feel bad for him. <laughs> you know, he is in debt. You know, we know that now from from gambling. So I think they're, they feel bad for him is why I think. Um, so it's unfortunate because, like Andrew Peterson said, there's good players on the team. So LeBlanc, uh, Mir needs to have a good year. Agreed. So those guys need to step it up. Our draft pick, E. Ekelum, has shown his NHL already a very promising. That's awesome. I think we should keep track of that. I think we'll, from time to time, we'll we'll take a look at how the Sharks are doing and hopefully in happier situations, right? I think this came being like. Andrew said it's a huge distraction, and only the uh, sharks need this right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Especially I, the beginning I completely so. agree. So it's going to be interesting. I think they're kind of in a semi-rebuild mode in a sense. I think the Eric Carlson contract 
is one of the worst contracts in the NHL here. I thought they overpaid after acquiring him, and he's he's been nothing but an injury-prone, um, mm-hmm. you know, hockey player. And that's going to be tough because, you know, we still have Carlson um, under contract for many years, right? So he has to prove to himself that he can stay healthy and be one of the best hockey players out there. Yeah, that was awesome, Mike. I think uh, I'm I'm impressed by how much you follow this because you know, like for a lot of fans out there, since the Sharks hasn't won the Stanley Cup, they're like tuning out a little bit, right? And I'm falling into that a little bit for the last few years, but you know, this season I kind of want to follow them a lot closer, just just to hope, right? That the you know, see how the team builds and learn a little bit more about the players. Um, but yeah, I think until they win that championship. I think in the Bay Area is like kind of putting the Sharks a little bit in the back burner, you know, which is unfortunate because I think hockey is a fun sport to watch, you know, and a fun sport to follow. Yeah, agree with you. All right, let's kind of move on to our picks of the week. All right. We only have one pick today. Um, didn't put the Sharks stat line, so sorry for that. <laughs> Maybe we can pick Sharks too in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but... We have the LA Clippers versus the Warriors. Warriors are at home, like you mentioned. Um, the spread is minus three. So this could change, right? Because it's a very early line. The game's on Thursday. Usually the line changes as you get closer to the game. Um, but for now, it opened at minus three. And the over-under is 225.5, which is pretty high, right? So, you know, how we talk about baseball, that eight points is, you know, or eight runs is kind of the, the middle tier or typical over under for basketball is using 200, right? Around the 200 ranges where the over under pans out. So they're looking at a high score game here. The last game was also, I think, 221 and they hit the over on it, right? So yeah. I think that's why the line keeps getting higher and higher as uh, as you keep hitting those over. So uh, who do you have, Mike, for your picks? I'll start with the over-under first, 225.5. I think they're going to go over um, this amount here. I think it's going to be in the 120s, right? So you're going to kind of be way over that 225 mark. Um, You know, Clippers, Warriors, no Kawhi Leonard here. I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. I think the Warriors will come off with an early 15-point lead. I think the Clippers will slowly come back. They still have some... You know, pretty good players on their team, you know, with Paul George um, there leading the way. But I see this pretty high scoring, and I see the Warriors prevailing um, here. They'll win by about five points or so. What's your take? Yeah, I think I agree with you on the over-under. I think they're going to score high, right? I think when the high lines like this, it's usually better to take the over. Um, yeah. It doesn't always work out, but there's a reason why the line gets set so high. I, I would kind of follow the line movement and see if it keeps getting higher or it gets lower, you know, depending on how people bet on this. So I think I'll go with the overdue. And, you know, the spread's a little bit tough. I think minus three with the Clippers. I know Warriors are still starting out kind of rocky. They might have a little bit more talent, but, mm-hmm. ah, but they're at home too, huh? That's the tough part. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll go with the Warriors minus three reluctantly, I guess, uh, in some ways because it's – you know, it feels like a trap to me, right? It seems so obvious that Warriors are going to be good that oftentimes that's where picks fall apart. You know, where you, when everyone bets on the obvious, it's not so obvious anymore, right? And, yeah. And the results uh, kind of burn you. So I would say be careful on betting this game if anyone is. And remember, this is entertainment purposes only. We're not giving our picks, you know. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I think it'll be closer than we think. In some ways, I'll go with the Warriors minus three because I do believe in the Warriors and think the Warriors will win. Um, but I wouldn't be confident about that. Yeah. All right. Very good. All right. Well, Any lasting thoughts for the weekend? No, I think uh, we're in a good time for sports right now. You know, kind of wish we had baseball to watch still with the Giants. But overall, at least we have the Warriors back, have the Niners back. Uh, you know, we didn't talk too much about the Niners, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they do with Jeff Wilson coming back as well. So there's going to be Je- Jeff Wilson, Elijah Mitchell, and Trey Sherman. Um, you know, what do you think will get most of the reps here? <laughs> I'm thinking it's probably going to be Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson kind of taking the ball. You know, especially for goal line stances, they kind of like using Jeff Wilson a lot. Um, and then for every back day back, you know, or every play, running play, they like to use Elijah Mitchell or Elijah Missile, as most people are calling him now. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about Trey Sherman, though? I mean, why aren't they using him? You know, do you think he's disappointing for you or or do you think we're just waiting to see there? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what the coaching staff is thinking with Trey Sermon. He may not be practicing very well um, here. He may not be fitting their scheme very well. But uh, I think they like Elijah Mitchell a lot more um, than Sermon at this point here. So you have Jeff Wilson coming back. You have Jermichael Hasty um, mm, coming back right. too. So it's it's going to be um, definitely competitive. I'm kind of uh, interested to see how Hasty and Jeff Wilson Jr. will kind of fit, you know, into these roles here. But you know, at least we have a lot of depth in the position. I was about to say, this is a good problem to have, right? Because I think when Elijah Mitchell got hurt, we were stressing, <laughs> okay, like we're going to play on running back. And I think there is definitely an impact. You're kind of feeling it. And I think that's contributing to some of the losses is not having him. And I hope Bradley Ayuk will step it up a little bit more, at least have, get more involved, right? Especially with Kittle still out. You know, I don't think we can depend on Ross Dwelly the same way we're depending on Kittle. So... So it'll be interesting to see if we can get IU of last year back, especially with Debo out there too. So, so we'll yeah. see if this next game will be interesting. I think with Jimmy G, I think uh, you know he gives us the best chance to win right now. I think so. We'll have to see how that plays out. All right. Well, that concludes our episode. You want to do a quick final shout out to some of our comments? Yeah, let's do that. So train. Andrew Peterson, as always, you know, Andrew, we got to get you on the show sometime. You know, <laughs> you know he's our uh, A's and Sharks uh, expert, I would say, right? Um, so he just come on and fill in those gaps for us, help us out here. Jeannie <laughs> uh, Lou, as always, you know, great comments. And Jenny Lou, um, sister probably, but Jenny Lou, thank you very much for listening to this show so yeah i think uh it's great to have comments on here so please tune in and give us comments as always we love hearing from you all um yeah tune in tune in next time as well right so one last comment from andrew is let's set up a game yeah let's do it let's go to the game sometime <laughs> all right well thanks everyone for listening that is the show for today take care Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast at Mike408 at Mind of Jerry11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.